0: Stargazers, and welcome to Seventh House Astrology, where I take anything that is related to astrology or anything that is also happening in astrology, and also where I take anything that is related to relationships or romance, and I investigate it under the lens of Sinistry astrology, otherwise known as love or relationship astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misak, and I am so glad that you guys have joined me this week. So when coming back to the drawing board this week, I had noticed that once again, uh, when when it has come down to the aspects, that it has been kind of a while since we last covered an aspect for the week, so I decided to veer back around from that. Now, I do remember from the Quincunx episode that there were some of you who came up to me, or there's some of you who contacted me and said, You know, Sandra, um, this is a little confusing. Uh, What can I do to follow along, or what can I do to make this a little easier to understand? Well, first and foremost, stargazers, I'm going to warn you this episode is a little technical, um, as with all aspect episodes. One thing that could help you, however, is if you either log on to astro.com, which is the official site of AstroDienst, for free, you guys can actually get your natal chart drawn. You can also go on to the app CoStar as well, too, to also get your natal chart drawn. Um, I would say, you know, definitely pull out your natal chart whichever, you know, however you have gotten that drawn. I mean, you can also get a natal chart drawn. You can also get an interpretation of it um, at a metaphysical shop or at your local metaphysical shop as well. But like take out a copy of your natal chart and while you're listening, uh, definitely take a look and see if the descriptions of the aspect are in your chart. Um, That would be kind of the the first thing um, that I would recommend. The other thing that I would also recommend, too, is that while you're on Astro.com, definitely pop over into the search engine that they have there and uh, take a look at Linda Goodman's chart for this week. She actually is the sample chart that I'm featuring for this week, uh, for this week's um, aspect. And uh, definitely you can, while I'm describing or while I'm kind of mentioning some things as to how coupled aspects in our charts are the current aspect that we're covering for this week uh, you can definitely pop on over and take a look and see exactly what I mean by what what I'm talking about as well too so those are two other different options as well um, for you to help with understanding because I know sometimes with my podcast I do my best to make everything as clear as possible. But sometimes there are just things with astrology that are a little hard to explain. I know quincunxes are definitely in that category. But this week I think should be a little bit easier um, than quincunxes uh, because this week we're actually covering oppositions. And you guys have probably, when you've heard my other episodes, especially last week's episode, you probably heard me mention this phrase, opposition, a lot. And I know I've been uh, mentioning this aspect a lot in a lot of uh, previous episodes as well. So today we get to dive right into it and actually explore what exactly it means, not only generally, but also what exactly it means in synastry astrology as well. So, without further ado, most of the general, so oppositions and what are they? So, when we look at general charts of this, I know a lot of astrologers have very little on oppositions because they still see it as a minorly opposed, or not, I don't want to say opposed, but a minorly adversive aspect. Which means that the planets don't get along, but it's like it's it's not a bi- it's not as big of a deal as squares or as quincunxes but um, as usual, I kind of beg to differ, and I kind of beg to disagree when it comes to oppositions. I feel oppositions are actually really adversive, and you really can experience it if you do have it in your natal chart or just even in a general chart as well too you know if you have like a transit where one planet is in op- you know in opposition with a natal planet you can definitely feel it you can feel the effects um a lot more than i feel you can with squares and i definitely feel that you you definitely feel it in synastry with the composite chart but what are they? Well, so basically when it comes down to the planets, so if we're looking at their relationships, the planets literally in an opposition are on opposite sides. They're sitting exactly opposite each other on the zodiacal wheel. And their relationship, for me personally, it looks like a high noon at the OK Corral sort of a situation you know, here's one planet at Aries, here's another planet at Libra, Q and the tumbleweeds that are like floating up and down the, the rest of the astrological chart, and you, you got you you, you kind of got oppositions right there in, in my in my eyes. But in order to take a non Western sort of cinematic experience to it, it's basically where both planets are really they're playing a tug of war as well, too, is how I also look at it. And what are they playing a tug-of-war for? Or why are they in a duel, perpetual duel and a perpetual showdown? Well, um, basically, within an opposition, it is, you know, if you have it in your chart, it is basically two planets that are vying for your attention. And they're in two opposite signs, too. So they're they're definitely vying for your attention, um, they're definitely fighting with each other when it comes down to who takes precedence. Now, the joke of this, of, of it all, the, the astrological humor to me of an opposition is while they're in a showdown, while they're vying for your attention and, you know, who gets the most energy, if you try to compartmentalize a opposition, you know, so they can be, so oppositions can be similar to quincunxes, Um, in the regard that a native who usually has an opposition is really tempted to compartmentalize the two different energies in their lives. And really the joke of it is, is if you compartmentalize and favor one aspect, the other aspect has a nice way of getting you back. Uh, For example, with Linda Goodman's chart, if you guys are not familiar with Linda Goodman great astrologer by the way you know the late and the great Linda Goodman wonderful astrologer author of sun signs and of moon signs if you have not checked those guys out definitely do um, it was through moon it was through love signs that I actually learned more about my son's sign as well as my moon sign and everyone else's signs as well too. Very much like Liz Green, she got really in, I feel like Linda Goodman got even more into in-depth details when it came to the individual signs of the Zodiac. And really as an astrologer, I feel like she really contributed very greatly to the field of astrology as well. So definitely check out. And also her enthusiasm, for astrology was really so keen you could actually feel it's very palpable in the pages of her book it's it's it's, she's just it's an awesome read so definitely both are awesome reads definitely check her work out um, all the way around but with Linda Goodman the late and the great Linda Goodman she actually had two oppositions in her chart the one that I will refer to today is basically her son conjunct venus was in opposition with her moon her sun and venus placements were in aries her moon was in libra so classic opposition here but um really with the opposition if she were to say favor the her son and her venus sign so basically if she were to fa- favor aries in the situation and when it came down to astrological content, if she were to approach, you know, the astrological content um, of her books in a very Aries way and just kind of take the theories that she's learned, take the, the ideas that she has and just apply them and, you know, don't look back, don't think twice, just apply them, get it moving, get it rolling Her moon in Libra would have got, would have seek, would have sought revenge. Um, it would have gotten her back in the regard that there, you know, the same theory probably would have come back to her with, you know what? This is a great sound theory. This is, this sounds really awesome, but there's not a lot of research. So with the the moon and Libra, that would have been a, you know, if you had just waited and if you had just researched your content and um, maybe if you had balanced the, the content as well, too, you found some balance, you kind of thought through it a little bit more, maybe that theory would have flown or maybe that that would have, you know, that would have gone through right away. Same thing if she would have favored her moon sign in Libra. If she would have like taken a theory and would have just stood all the way back, did her research, got her facts together, balanced her facts together, really made sure that she got a lot of, got a lot of, you know, as I've mentioned earlier, facts, uh, for her theory and kind of waited to produce that theory, then the Aries side would have gotten back at her with the fact that it's like, ha, you didn't strike when the coals were hot. And guess what? This, this content, it's stale. So, you know, this is on you type of, type of sort of thing. So with when it comes to oppositions, when you do favor one side over the other, which is very tempting, like I said, the other side has a way of kind of like the scorpion's tail and Scorpio has a way of just stinging you or just has a way of coming right back to you. So how to handle oppositions. So, you know, in order to, before I get into that, um, in order to handle oppositions, I know that some of you are thinking, it's like, so you mentioned Lib- or Libra and Aries, what are other signs that are in opposition, or is it just Libra and Aries? And that's a good question. So actually Libra and Aries are not the only signs that are in opposition, If you should have planets in Taurus and Scorpio, that would also be an opposition. If you also have planets in Cancer and Capricorn, another opposition. Leo and Aquarius is another opposition. And last but not least, Virgo and Pisces. Those are grand. Uh, those are that. Those are um, other oppositions as well. And as you can see, if you're looking at chart, all those signs literally lie across from each other on the zodiacal wheel. But uh, when you do have an opposition, like say so you do have it in your chart, or say that you are actually there is a transisting planet that's outside a house or outside a sign, that's an opposition to another planet in your chart, like your natal planet, your chart, what do you do? You know, if you can't favor one side over the other, you can't compartmentalize, how do you how do you deal with these, how do you deal with the tug of war inside yourself? Well, um, one thing that I always recommend with oppositions is always that, you know, every sign that's opposed to each other. And I actually had forgotten in my list of oppositions, Gemini and Sagittarius are in there as well. They're also oppositions. But anyway, when there are signs that are opposed to each other, as much as they are different in their energies, they're all they also have some similarities. So um, like say somebody has Mercury in Gemini, and they have their sun in Sagittarius. Even though Gemini and Sagittarius are very different in the regard that Gemini loves to just learn, they love to communicate, and they don't like to learn just one thing. They like to learn loads of things. So to have a uh, Mercury placement in Gemini, you're basically, you want to learn everything. You want to learn a lot of different things. And sometimes it can make you feel as though you're kind of scattered a little bit. Well, that's very different from Sagittarius, where Sagittarius, they like to learn new things, sure, but they like to integrate it into a deeper meaning, like the meaning of life, or just a deeper, well-rounded meaning. And most of their interests as well to a Sagittarius are a little bit more focused than with Gemini, You know, they might focus, they might have a myriad of different interests, but they focus heavily on one subject before they move on to the next subject and they move on to the next subject. You know, and again, it's integrating different theories into a large cohesive whole. So right there, that's how like Gemini and Sagittarius can be very opposite, but they can also be really very similar in the regard that they thirst for knowledge. They thirst for uh, learning new things. Um, they love it when they learn new things as well, too. Um, even though one is more expansively minded, and whereas the other just really likes to cultivate knowledge, they both have that in common. So what I would say to that person who has the opposition in merging Mercury with their son's position is, you know, it's great to have a myriad of different interests, but try focusing on a specific few and try connecting the interests together to where you do come to a cohesive whole. And that's how you could merge both the sun's position as well as that Mercury's position and make both signs and both planets rather happy, you know, as opposed to favoring one over the other. So definitely, yeah, definitely finding that similarity between the two signs is really a good way. I think with Linda Goodman, she had to find the similarity between Aries and Libra which when you take a look at Aries, which is very much the go-getter of the Zodiac, whatever comes into their head, they want to act on right, right away, which for me personally, that's very admirable. You know, it's a very admirable trait. It takes a lot of guts and it takes a lot of courage to get something off the ground when you have the good idea that springs to your mind. But yeah, with Aries, they're the epitome of getting off the ground, getting running. And Libra, very different. They're all about wanting to balance facts out making sure that what they're, you know, what they're going for is true to their purpose. They also want to make sure that, you know, there's a lot of facts, that there's a lot of knowledge that backs up what they're doing. Um, And also they like to think of plan B or plan C or plans all the way A through Z, just in case their idea might flop and it might not work out. And so they're not like landing flat on their face. So as much as Aries and Libra can be very dissimilar to each other, I think with Linda Goodman, she had to see the fact that Aries and Libra are also great leaders. You know, Aries in the regard that they can get ideas off the ground, you know, especially if you're in the workplace, they can take the ideas from the higher ups, they can, they can merge it, they can like lift it off the ground or in business, they can get some business ideas off the ground. But also as Libra, Libra is a great leader in the regard that they try to make sure that when they're lifting off the ground, that everything is running smoothly, you know, that all the facts are checked, that all the analytics are checked, that everything is also well-balanced, that everyone's happy. Um, and that also, again, that everyone's not falling on their face for acting too prematurely. So in that regard, you know, taking some initiative and blending how initiative is acted upon, I think, was something that Linda Goodman had to act on, especially in astrology, you know, where she again, it's like, hey, I have an idea for a Sun Sign Book. You know, let's get that moving. But by the same token, she had to listen to that Libra inside of, yes, let's get moving, but you know, let's make sure that we're treating all the signs fairly. Let's make sure that all the signs have the same amount of pages. Let's make sure all the signs get the same amount of enthusiasm and the same amount of love so that there's not a a sense of favoritism in in your book or that there's not a sense of favoritism from you as well too. Um, And that in this way, when you're fair, you can kind of advance a little further along astrologically. Another way of kind of dealing with oppositions or seeing oppositions is I I loved what Heather Ariel had to bring to the table. So Heather Ariel is actually the author of the fundamentals of astrology Oracle deck. If you guys do not own an Oracle deck and you don't have any Oracle decks at all, um, I would recommend, highly recommend the fundamentals of astrology. I love this deck. Like no other, not only do I get to learn the fundamentals of astrology or come back to it, but when I do an actual Oracle reading, the cards are so inclusive, so diverse. And they're so, you know, I mean, the, the statements that Heather Ariel brings to each aspect is so clear that it just, it makes sense really. It just, it helps me to make sense of life at times. There have been times where I've actually even held a card or placed a card next to my nightstand, um, next to my bed, um, in order to reflect more on it, um, for the week or for the day, but it is, it's a wonderful deck. I love it. And she also has a booklet that also describes a lot of the fundamentals of astrology. But one thing that I loved uh, as to what she brought um, to the table with oppositions is that she mentioned that the the effect can be very polarizing. And I felt like that was a really perfect word, you know, the perfect verb for an opposition is that, you know, it, it can be polarizing. You know, again, like I said, you're dealing with two opposite signs and therefore you have two planets two or more planets actually into opposite signs across from the zodiacal wheel from each other they also are displaying their shadow sides of each other and it's, it's not fun I mean uh, she had even gone on uh, had gone on to say that You know, it can make you feel as if something is being done to you, whether you're a native who has an opposition in their natal chart or whether you're experiencing this in a transit as well, too. It it could just, you know, it feels like, you know, you got the target on your back. Things are being done to you um, because you have two planets that are showing, showing their shadow sides and completely playing a tug of war with you. And then I thought the third point that she had made was really very awesome in the regards of of reconciliation with an opposition, because um, the main goal with oppositions is, you know, if you are, if you have this in your natal chart, the one main goal is to resolve the opposition in order to grow. This is also the case when you do have it in any chart as well, too, you know, if you have it as a transit I also think, too, in the synastry chart, as we will come to see here in just a moment, um, this aspect, you know, kind of actually overcoming the adverse aspect is a way to make you more mature, as opposed to being stuck in immature or less evolved ways, especially when it comes down to the two planets that are opposed to each other as well. So, one thing that she mentioned was that it can stimulate, you know, an opposition can stimulate creativity towards your problems. So, I actually experienced this. And for those of you who've been listening to my podcast quite frequently, you guys would um, know which opposition I'm talking about. So, as of late May into actually, I'm sorry, late June into early July, I actually experienced an opposition between the current transit at the time of Mars and Aries with my natal moon, Pluto, and Saturn in Libra. And um, one thing that I did notice with this transit was that Pluto was the heaviest that was affected. While Saturn was on the sidelines in the bleachers, kind of urging me to think about my karma, and my moon was also in the bleachers, going, Oh my God, this is overwhelming. What is going on? Pluto and Mars were just having a heyday with me. Um, I remembered the polarizing effect of this was that with Mars. A lot of the time, um, I know at that time, I dealt with a lot of anger. I dealt with a lot of frustration. I dealt with a lot of discontent in my life. Things were just not going well. But I remember there was this side of, I just felt like there was one side of me that light up. It's like, yeah, you're angry. Go express your anger. Go, you know, go, you know, express it in, you know, in a myriad of ways. Just go express it. Just make sure to let people know that you're angry, which was definitely the Mars side of the equation. But then there was another side as well, too, the Pluto side, which was, Oh, forget about, you know, letting people know that you're angry. Oh, forget about releasing your anger. Let people know who's boss. Take control. Take command. Take power. Overlord people. And, um, really, it, like I said, again, it did feel like that tug of war. And there were times where I took, Mars aside, only to be bitten by Pluto. And then I take Pluto aside only to be bitten by, by Mars. It, it was just, like I said, it's just a mess. You know, I felt like I was, I I was stepping more into a lot of power mongering situations. I was stepping more into situations where it could have been yay close to a fistfight and it could have been yay close towards safety concerns towards yours truly. So what I ended up doing instead when it came down to the creativity was I had to relook at this Mars Pluto transit since Pluto was the strongest to react to the situation. And I basically remembered saying to myself, okay, Pluto is the planet of destruction, but it is also the planet of transformation. And I just remember thinking about that. It's like, how can we transcend? How can we transform from this opposition of expressing your anger and power mongering because seriously it was coming down to where I was I had to pray for my karma almost every day. You know it's like you know going along that the destructive vein, the destructive tendencies of this transit. I have had to pray for my karma every day. But um you know it's like how can we embody the you know transformative aspect of Pluto? And I remember thinking it's like well Pluto also is probing So let's probe into everything that is upsetting you. So kind of blending not only Pluto, but also blending the hot, you know, the, the hot energy of Mars, how it was affecting my temper. It's like, let's see what's bothering you and see why it's a hot button trigger. You know, if there's something deep inside of you that is reacting to this. And let's see how we can kind of piece this together from there, you know, see what it is and see if we can actually heal that wound, see if we can kind of resolve the differences so it's not ending up in violence or fistfights or just violent, a spew of words is really what it kind of came out with me. And really, when I actually started approaching everything that way, um, I particularly remember that there was an empty lot near my house where people, there was, it was starting to be reconstructed. And at the beginning, there were a load of men. Now, for a lot of single women, that'd be like, oh, loads of guys, yay, woohoo, let's, let's, you know, this'll be a great party. But uh, for me, it was a load of guys who were around my house and who were acting in toxic masculine ways. And I think what really set the fuse off for me more than anything was the toxic masculinity. And it, it really was a hot button topic because I went through toxic masculinity in a very abusive relationship back in 2012. So already right there, there's a deep wound that was being triggered by the situation. And I just remembered when I kind of confronted this and said, okay, this is what's going on, I was able to kind of deal with. And also, it seemed like everything that was happening, the chaos that was happening around me, fell into place. A lot of the guys who were toxically masculine were not on the job after the first day. Actually, they kind of got weeded out as the project kept moving on. Um And also my reactions to them started to diminish considerably. So in a way with this uh, creativity, it seems like the things that are ailing you kind of fall into place when it comes to an opposition. So like I said, I thought that that was actually really quite interesting and informative. So I know what you guys are thinking. It's like, okay, so this is general astrology. This is, you know, with the birth chart, and that's all well-nigh and very interesting, Sandra. But what about synastry? Well, when it comes down to synastry, the main relationship that I usually see coming about when it comes to oppositions is that of, so basically it's two people. Who either have their sun signs in opposition to each other, or it's one person has their sun sign in opposition to someone's moon sign, or it's someone has their Venus sign in opposition to either that person's sun sign or their moon sign. Uh, for example, I've had many encounters with relationships where there have been a lot of Aries guys who have been very, very like keenly interested in me. And it makes sense. Their sun sign being in Aries is directly opposite my moon sign in Libra. But uh, one particular instance really came about when I was doing my research for this week, and that was when I was actually behind the chair for a particular salon and the manager of that particular salon, her experience. So with my manager, she's cancer. Her sun sign is in cancer. But I remember she came in one day and she was swearing up and down that she found the love of her life. She found her soulmate and they just, they had chemistry and it was just, it was everything. It was the whole world to her. It was clearly the whole world to her. And I thought, okay, this is, this is rather nice. That's, that's great for you. And then she also mentioned something that kind of actually raised a couple of little alarm bells in the back of my mind. And that was we have chemistry and you know what? Relationships are just based off of chemistry. That's where it all begins. That's what chemistry is what it's all about, which if you know me, you know my podcasts, my answer is, wrong. I'm sorry. Chemistry is not what it's all about. You know, there's a lot of different blends and a lot of different things that go into a relationship. Chemistry is but the tip of the iceberg of what goes into a relationship. So already right there, what I could already see was this was a little too impassioned. And it looked like my manager was getting a little blinded by this relationship so i was kind of like okay what has she gotten herself into i was a little worried for her i cared for her at that time and i was a little worried about her a little little concerned well lo and behold um i did meet her boyfriend who ended up um she ended up finding out that he's capricorn so i ended up meeting mr capricorn and uh mr capricorn didn't look too pleased to not only be in the salon not only that, but I also noticed he didn't seem too enthralled with my manager. He didn't feel the same way as she did. And um, one other complaint that came up when she was dating him. And unfortunately, so if you guys are Capricorns out there, do not take this too personally. Because this happens with some Capricorns, but not all of you. So so please, you know, don't, don't get too angry with me about this. But Um, One thing I do notice with Capricorns when it comes to relationships, because they're so focused on their goals, which is admirable. I love the fact that you guys do, if you guys are Capricorns, it's all those Capricorns out there. I love the fact that you guys are focused on your dreams, your goals, and that you know exactly how to get from point A to point point B. Um, Honestly, I wish I had that sort of sight myself. I know I fall short in that regard, but you know, many Capricorns usually work from point A to point B to reach their goals, to reach their dreams, to reach their life aspirations, which they come to at a very early age. However, because they get so wrapped up in accomplishing their goals, there are times where they nix or they squelch the pleasure factor out of life. So, again, matters of self-care are put off to the side. Matters of pleasure are put off to the side. Anything that's pleasurable or pleasing to the mind, the body, or the heart, and the soul are usually kind of put off to the side for Capricorn. And this guy was no different with this regard. So what usually ends up happening with Capricorns when they enter a relationship, relationships are very committed-oriented just like a relationship to a career, a relationship to a goal or a dream. So what ends up happening is that they usually kind of play the field a little bit, or if they're married, they do, there are Capricorns who are prone to having affairs. Just because, again, that pleasure principle is so stifled, that's how they meet it. You know, whenever anything is stifled, you always meet it, but sometimes in not the most appropriate ways. This guy was no different. In fact, while he was dating my manager, he was actually seeing a lot like 10 different other women on the side. And also what ended up also resulting was that the breakup happened because he found another great ideal mate, and my manager was not it. And let's just say my manager was not taking to that too well. She had a lot of preconceived notions, but I mentioned this example because that is a classic oppositional relationship right at play. You have kind of like with my manager. She was probably instantly attracted to this guy. Like it was, it was a no-brainer. She kept mentioning chemistry. You know, probably instantly attracted to him. But always an oppositional relationship, whereas one person is really attracted, the other person might be lukewarm about the, about the individual. It's very rare in an oppositional relationship that you get both people on board. Um, it's just, it's just kind of, it, it's, it's interesting how that happens. Um, and, you know, as they always say opposites attract, You're attracted to this person because of the oppositional relationship with my manager. She wanted to be very nurturing. She wanted to be nurtured in return. This guy was just the opposite of her. He was very independent. He was very work oriented, and he was also not very much into commitment. If he was seeing 10 different women on the side, sorry, I just have to call it out. You're not into commitment if you're doing that. Um, It kind of tells me you are commitment phobic if you're doing that. So again, those opposites definitely were attracting. Another classic case with the oppositional relationship, whereas that one person feels kind of lukewarm, Um, usually in that oppositional relationship, you guys kind of attract to each other and you guys kind of feel like you want to reveal a lot to each other about yourselves. And the more that you reveal, the more that you see that you're very different. That you're you're opposite. You're very different from each other. And that lukewarm mental, that lukewarm feeling, can come about with, oh, gee, we're not exactly alike. Oh, gee, we're not very similar. I don't think I like you anymore. Which can definitely be in effect with an oppositional relationship. The other things that are in effect with an oppositional relationship is that. Again, with being very heavily attracted to each other, the chemistry obviously feels like it is there. You're attracted to somebody who is the opposite of you. So they seem like they're just really irresistible. You know, for some reason, the opposites of ourselves just seem to be just insanely irresistible. So it feels like chemistry is through the roof. When it comes to this relationship, but what inevitably ends up happening, unfortunately, is that when the oppositions are not dealt with in the relationship, as was the case with my manager, again, you end up breaking up because of your differences of terms. I'm actually going to throw out one other example that's actually happened to me personally. And that is whenever I, you know, so I am a Leo my sun signs in Leo, my ascendant's in Leo. Whenever I've met my polar opposite, which is that of Aquarius, when I've met Aquarians. So I've had a couple of employers who have been Aquarians. And honestly, I have to say I've learned a lot from them. So I don't have anything against Aquarians. But when I've met the guys, it's kind of interesting because the laws of opposition and laws of the opposites definitely play true. So when we see each other, we're instantly attracted. You know, I usually see, oh, this is a good-looking guy. I hope what they see in me is that I'm actually good-looking as well, too. We end up coming up to a hypothesis or our thesis in a statement. um, And we kind of see that we're both on a similar vein. But then once we back up our thesis statements, that's where... We are absolutely at that that's actually most of the time I've been fortunate to see that we're both repelled by each other. And um I think while there there's always one party that tries to make up for the fat the repellent situation or the repellent uh factor of the relationship, it just makes things far worse to where we're just really repelled by each other by the end of the relationship. It's actually kind of a comical relationship, but um, usually within, um, you know, oppositional relationships, you know, I can't say that they're, they're doomed to happen. Um, they can work out uh, definitely. And especially, I mean, it's like, say you find yourself where like a Venus position is opposite someone's Sun or a Venus position is opposite somebody's moon as well too. I think that you do have a greater chance of making this relationship work out. My factor of it is though, when it comes to oppositional relationships, you have to really do a little extra work to make the relationship kind of fly, to make it soar. You know, as within the case with my manager, Um, instead of just adhering to I want to be nurtured, I want you to nurture me, I want to marry you, and I want to have your kids, which is very Cancerian and very much about stability, about home, about family, that maybe she could have acknowledged the difference, the differences, that he had a very different value system. His value system was, I want to be able to provide. I want to be able to meet my goals. I want to be successful. If I should have a family, I want to be able to provide for my family. And I want to be able to provide for my partner as well too. Um, So, I mean, that's where the two differences could have related, but he had a difference of opinion if he was seeing 10 other women on the side. So instead of expecting him to drop his cheating ways or worse. Actually, my manager did the worst thing that's possible. I think this guy moved on and he was seeing another woman. And my manager literally got, somehow she got the phone number of this other lady and literally cussed her out and told her to basically get away from her man, which soon resulted in him taking away his key to his apartment that she had on her keychain and fully breaking it off. So, I mean, in a rela- in an oppositional relationship, obviously to expect the other person to change is going to be futile because that person is who they happen to be who they are, you know, in their opposites. Instead, what really should what I what I really feel should happen in an oppositional relationship to make this work out is to accept the opposite, to accept the difference in that other person. If that other person feels like they want to play the field, maybe um, instead of expecting him to drop his cheating ways and forcing him and coercing him almost to drop his cheating ways, I would say the best way to respect that opposition is to actually respect that he has different values and to just accept that he has different values. Then maybe um, this is not, you know, this is not a relation, you know, like obviously chemistry is not um, going to work in the situation. Maybe he's not as interested in you. And maybe to not only accept that, but also find a way in your heart to respect that. And I find the same to be true in the other, you know, situation too. Like, um, I felt like this guy could have really respected my manager a little bit in her concerns and really could have met her concern, really could have said something like, you know, you want something, you want a, you know, very committed relationship. I can't provide that to you. I'm very sorry. You know, stating something instead of just seeing 10 women behind her back. So, again, I feel like in the oppositional relationship, definitely respecting each other's differences, I think, is going to be key. And not only that, but integrating differences. I know when I have had um, Aquarians for bosses in the past, whereas usually they are very verbose. They state things as they feel it. They are not reserved as I am. Um, normally I have come to, you know, accept that and respect that. And I like their, you know, I always like their upfront honesty, but I've come to respect the way that they come about their honesty, which is very opposed to mine. Um, you know, my way is I may, I'll disagree with you, but I'll disagree with you quietly. Whereas an Aquarian's way, if they disagree with you, they'll flat out state that they disagree with you right up to your face. And then they'll also back it up with a lot of fact. And then they'll back it up with a lot of logic to where, you know, where they stand by the end of the night. Uh, they're very like Sagittarius in that regard. But um, in that, in that sense with the employers, I had to just accept that their way of honesty was very different from mine. And that, you know, really just kind of accept them for who they were. You know, I think I remembered one manager had told me, or one of my bosses had told me, it's like, you know what? I'm bitter. I'm not very calm. You are. That's just the way that, that's just the way that things are working right now. And, you know, I was able to just kind of accept that into my life, kind of accept that as being a part of our working relationship that, you know, this person was very upfront. They're very honest. They, you know really kind of express whatever was on their mind and really finding ways to appreciate that as well too. I was also very hopeful that they were willing to appreciate that there are times where I could be honest, even though there was a little more of a roundabout way of how I'm honest. Um, Even though I'm not in one to just express my mind. um, I wish I could, in hindsight, but I'm not one to express my mind. I, I usually kind of Halter and kind of falter because I'm afraid of how other people would react. I'm a little too afraid of um, people's reactions. But, you know, as I, I wanted to always hope that they could, they accepted that of me, that I was a little more quieter, but yet I could still get to the same amounts of honesty that they had as well. But really accepting each other's opposites, I think, and incorporating that into the relationship is really key and tantamount with an oppositional relationship. I think the other thing, too, is to see how you guys are similar in the relationship. Um, Nine times out of ten with oppositional relationships, a lot of people are usually very blind to, you know, they're just really blindly attracted to the opposite that they fail to see who this person is underneath. So how they're different, but also how they're similar. You know, when they find those differences, there are also those similarities, you know, such as the case with cancer and Capricorn. um, They're both very security oriented, even though they go about it in different ways. You know, since both persons, since both my manager and her boyfriend had security aims, you know, they're kind of aiming for the same thing. Maybe they could have delved into it before getting into the chemistry and the sex and the passion of the full relationship. They could have taken some time on a date to kind of dive into what security meant for them and how to really blend that into the relationship or how, you know, what it meant to them and also how it might have been different, but how to like blend those similarities into the relationship even though there might be some subtle differences in there. And then, of course, the third thing that I usually find with oppositional relationships, of course, that blind attraction. And, of course, you know, my usual recommendation with blind attraction. Step back, get some air, see what's really going on. And really, again, it's just, it's, it's an oppositions, op, you know, opposites are attracting However, opposites can equally repel. Um, it, whenever you keep the opposites can equally repel in mind. I think that can help to quell the passion, the chemistry, all these souped up emotions that are coming up to the surface when it comes down to this, the relationship of it all. Also, I would also say if somebody is lukewarm in the relationship. Give that person some space. Now, again, you're probably thinking, oh, my God, oppositional relationships, that means that's a doomed relationship. But no, actually, it isn't because um, Jung had actually theorized that whenever there are oppositions in the natal charts or in the synastry charts of both people, that's actually marriage material. And Sofia Vergara, as well as Joe Maganello, have proven that to be true. He's Capricorn. She's Cancer. And they still, as far as I know, they still have a very happy relationship. But I think part of it is um, while there was a definite instant attraction, definitely on Joe Maganello's end, um, there are a respect of, I think there's a lot of a culmination of respect of differences, respect of the opposites, as well as finding out how you guys are similar. And not just falling blindly into the passionate trap. But I think that opposites can really, um, they can thrive, um, to where they can have those marriages. I, I thought that that was very interesting that Jung had theorized this over so many years, um, within psycho, when he was incorporating astrology into psychotherapy. But, um, again, I think it's really respect, you know, kind of respecting who, Each individual is, each individual has to come to the partnership, respecting the other person and not just getting blinded down the dark alleyways of relationships as well. Also note that if it doesn't work out, um, so with my relationships with Aquarians, a lot of the time, um, we usually had to part ways for whatever reason. However, I had noted that I still had a lot of respect for the Aquarian because I learned a tremendous amount from them. You know, uh, they usually gave a lot of wisdom to me that helped me out in uh, future endeavors, and they were able to blend that wisdom in, you know, profound wisdom in a very, you know, matter-of-fact way, um, such as with my manager. One of my managers, um, I remembered I was struggling with dealing with homeless populations on the 16th Street Mall. And that was part of my job. And one thing she said, you know, just very coolly, she's like, you know, you don't have a gun on you. You know, you don't have very many security defenses on you. You're all alone. She's like, look, if you you warn them that they can't loiter outside or they're violating mall rules because they're loitering outside of a business, and they refuse to move, well, you know, you did your job. You, know, you did your job. You did what you could do. Um, you have to respect their difference in that regard, and you have to move on. If, they, if they're still there or if they're still making a ruckus and they're still really disruptive, then you call the police or you call them back up or you find a different, you know, you kind of call them back up or you call the police. Really, like I said, again, very simple. And actually, um, her method was so simple that it was great for me to incorporate a little bit more of compassion and take a more compassionate stance and also, um, you know, recommend other, you know, I think she'd also uh, recommend to me to recommend other places as to where this person could go. So instead of, you know, being like, you can't stand here, you're homeless, you can't stand here, which is how a lot of homeless people take it. It was more along the lines of, I'm sorry, according to mall rules, you can't stand here. But you know what? There's a park like, you know, a block away. If you guys want to go sit in that park, I can't touch you Be- and neither can the police because parks are, you know, they're basically say they're, they're open for the public. So you can go to that park instead. You can go to this, you know, designated area or you can go to a different area instead. I liked this because it not only helped for me to do my job a bit better and more compassionately, you know, be more compassionate towards homeless populations, which by the way can be very tricky to deal with, but also down the line, um, I still feel like I'm still using this sort of tactic with people instead of. No, you can't do, you know, whenever I'm in a position of, no, you can't do this. Instead of stating, no, you can't do this. It's like, no, unfortunately this is against policy, but tell you what, let's see if we can do another plan or let's see if we can do something else in this regard. Um, so in this way, even though our, like I said, even though my relationship with my manager had parted, I still learned some very key and crucial things, like some very, you know, great bits of wisdom that I've been able to carry with me throughout the way. And I feel like that's the same with a lot of oppositional relationships. Even if the relationship should not work, either, you know, work wise, professionally wise, or romantically wise, Um, you still will have like great takeaways from the relationship. You'll still gain a lot of wisdom from that person Um, just because, again, the nature of the opposition, even though you guys are very different um, in a way, you got those differences. if If you kind of use them in the right way, kind of incorporate them into the relationship instead of trying to change them in the relationship, they actually work out in the long run In the regard that, you know, you end up getting like more like a sagely advice or you end up having a profound relationship where you learn a lot and you move forward in a very pronounced and a very profound way. With my manager at the salon, um, she ended up seeking therapy after what had happened to her in this relationship and the really nasty breakup that resulted and through therapy, she was able, well, she found out that she had formed a new attachment to a puppy, to a dog at that time, which I thought was like replacing one for the other. But, um, you know, whatever works uh, is how I feel everyone to each their own, whatever works. But, um, she was also able to find out why she was so attracted to this guy, why she could not let him go so easily and why, Just a lot of the, you know, kind of figuring out the reasons for why. So I kind of felt like in that regard, she did grow from this relationship with this guy who, again, was diametrically opposite to her. So Stargazers, this is the end of my episode on oppositions as we know it. Um, I do hope that there was a lot. Well, first off, I do hope that it's clear um, if you guys would like, um, you absolutely can comment um, on either my email um, message page, which is at mysek.sandra at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on my Instagram page at Sandra dot that's M-I-S-E-K, that You can also hit my Patreon page and give me a comment in there like, hey, this is really clear or hey, this is kind of confusing and kind of muddled. And trust me, I will take in your recommendations and I will see how I can clarify as well, too. Or if it's really clear, hey, great. Um, That will help me to build future episodes to where they're clear, concise and informative and wonderful. But above all stargazers, do not be afraid to look up at the stars. Not only do we have our origins and astrology up in the stars through the constellations that are in the sky. The 12 signs are made of the constellations that are actually in the sky at this time. But also, you know, looking up at the stars, I've actually had seen this after having a whole week of work where it was very intense. And I didn't have very many breaks throughout the week. I actually do see it's a great it's a great break. Nice great break and nice way to just be present and in the moment. We are coming up to a new moon as of next weekend, so that will be really kind of nice. It's actually kind of interesting to see the moon wane at this time. But above all stargazers between now and this next episode, so now and next week. I do hope that you guys are doing well, especially with Uranus conjunct Mars, a lot of reckless behavior going on right now, I must say, but uh, I do hope that I find you well. I do hope that you are well, and between now and next week, as always, be well, and I will see you then.